The three keys to behavior change, the ABCs of execution, the three things that you can do to develop a longer term mindset around your health and fitness, how to create tiny habits that are free of friction, why relying on motivation is not helpful and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, three, five with expert in fitness and behavior change, Jeff Gerbitz. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you want to go from unmotivated to work out to more disciplined than ever before? If so, then go check out the Best You 10-Week Transformation Program that gives you the ability to set a worthy fitness goal, create a, create a predictive and workable game plan, and it maximizes your discipline through accountability. Visit go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program to get started from anywhere today. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program. Today, I'm super excited to bring you Jeff Gervitz. Jeff is the founder of Bang Personal Training based in Ontario, Canada, and he's the founder of the upcoming Dad Strength Podcast. He is an expert on fitness and behavior change, and he helps people play the long game when it comes to lifelong health, both physically and mentally. He's also a certified Tiny Habits coach under the Tiny Habits methodology that is laid out by BJ Fogg in his tiny book, or in his book, Tiny Habits, not his tiny book. Before diving in, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. Now, without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Jeff Gerbitz. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today, I am super pumped to be joined by the one and only Jeff Gervitz. Jeff, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, of course. Well, I just want to start off by saying I absolutely love the uh, sign in the background. We are what we repeatedly do. What's right below it? Um, excellence, then. I guess you can't see it. Is, it uh, is, is not an act, but a habit. So this but is a habit, yeah. paraphrased. Paraphrase from uh, from Aristotle, from uh, philosopher Will Durant. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen the quote before, and I just wanted to make sure that, that I wanted to see if that's definitely what it said, but I love it. I love it. Um, well, real quick, Jeff is the founder of Bang Personal Training and uh, the upcoming Dad Strength Podcast. You're an expert on fitness and behavior change, and that's one of the things that I'm most excited to talk about with you today because I'm a fitness trainer as well, have been for almost six years, and I'm probably most intrigued by the behavior change side of things, um, over almost, almost anything else. Um, and you know, I help people with the long-term game and you believe in helping people with the long-term game when it comes to lifelong health with both physical and mental health. And the way I kind of want to start today, Jeff, is to kind of orient everybody in regards to kind of your career and, and how you got started and everything like that. So if you just take a few minutes, kind of telling everybody you started bang back in 2008, and then you've kind of really gone into studying more of the behavior change side of things. So just take a few minutes and kind of orient, orienting people on on who you are and, and where you've been in your career thus far. Sure. Um, unlike a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends, for example, have a, a similar story. There were these breakout athletes. They were on their way to D1 or the pro track and an injury happened and um, they sort of, you know, uh, 
were able to repair their bodies through training. A lot of times that's the story I hear. I'm, I'm not that guy. I was not a particularly athletic kid. Um, now I know connecting the dots backwards, um, how important I got into martial arts when I was 16, when I kind of said, I, I need to do something with this body. And, um, I remember thinking it was the, the first time I'd ever really worked hard at anything in my life. And I realized in retrospect, it was the first time I was capable at undiagnosed ADHD and movement allowed me to focus and be present in a way that I had not experienced before. Now, I didn't know that. I just knew I loved doing martial arts. Um, you know, fast forward, I've, I've kind of, you know, lived in different places around the world at this point. Um, I've I moved back to Toronto. Um, I'm originally from uh, Calgary out West and, um, and immediately I want to get back into martial arts. And I remember thinking, wow, this has been really important to me. This is something that I want to be able to continue to do in my sixties and my seventies. How, how can I get there? How can I reverse engineer that process? And that's, you know, the point where I started looking and uh, looking into researching uh, athletic performance that, you know, at that point there were kind of two tracks, right? There's the men's health side of things. And now there's, you know, the internet is, is just chock-a-block with information of varying quality, or there was sort of the performance track. So I gravitated toward that, started doing some personal training here and there. I just thought I would, I would try seven years. I'd open up a facility. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't sure what is the progression of this, right? Where do we take this? And, and it's not necessarily the advice I would give every trainer, um, but the opportunity came a lot sooner than anticipated. So into kind of like a year and a half into me working solo after, you know, a very brief tenure at a, at a big box gym, um, I opened up Bang. Originally, I was, you know, uh, you know, I would describe myself as a technician. I thought I was going to save people through better technique. And, you know, that worked a little bit of the time, but um, very quickly I learned it, it didn't matter how great someone's training was, how great their movement was, if their lifestyle was a train wreck. So the first thing I did now, you're probably familiar with precision nutrition. Um, yeah. and so, you know, they're, they're, uh, some of my favorite people in the industry. So, um, I, I began to, um, you know, go through their material. I, uh, uh, like Chris Scott Dixon, who's the uh, curriculum developer is a good friend of mine. I've, I've, I've gotten uh, to be friends with a number of folks there, I think, because we just, we, we have a similar sort of ethos. Um, but what I found and sorry guys, uh, Nutrition helped just about nobody. Um, so as much as I've learned, it, it is so seldom a knowledge issue. It's so like most people feel, regardless of, of what the absolute state is, most people feel like they're pretty knowledgeable. They know what to do. And so that's where I started to hear this, this phrase. I know what to do. Like I've done it before. I just need to. And that's where we insert something about either discipline or motivation. This, you know, you know, this, oh, yeah. this line, right? You've heard it. Um, you've lived it. So um, that's where I started to get interested in, and definitely through, through PN's, uh, uh, influence, get interested in behavior change. The problem was, um, there's a lot of stuff that works and very little that works reliably. So you name it from, uh, uh, you know, smart goals to the trans theoretical model of change, like, you know, you can go deep in the literature and there's not a ton that is actionable and consistently useful. And so, you know, I feel like I have some ability for this. And over the years, you know, uh, out of a lot of sort of earnest effort and trial and error, I got to figure out what was working and 
Um, when I when I read Tiny Habits in early 2020, I heard of BJ Fogg. He's a, a uh, he runs the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford. I'd heard of him and some of the stuff he was doing, but I, I was not at this point optimistic. So I read his book kind of in a, in a perfunctory way, or that's where it started. I figured I would just make sure I'm not missing anything here. I was like, son of a gun, this guy nailed it. He nailed everything that I know that works. He captured in this really succinct language. And then he got a bunch of stuff that I hadn't cracked yet. So I, I knew immediately there was, there was really something there. And that has gone on to be really influential. Um, in the in terms of the way that we work now, so I think about when people come into the gym, I know they're handled. I know we're going to do right by them. So I think about well, what happens outside, and it comes down to sort of three you know pillars, if you will. One is nutrition, one is sleep and regeneration, and the third is habit design. If you know what you want to do, do you have the skills to create that in a consistent way, not a theoretical way, not if if I can just kind of overhaul my entire life way, but can I start tomorrow? Um, and yeah. that's, that's what I would consider to be real mastery on that. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. It's, it's a really cool journey. So if somebody was coming to you, like let's say a new client was coming to you and they had that traditional saying of, I know what to do. I'm, I'm just not doing it. And, or maybe, and, and maybe I've done it before, but right now I'm just not doing it. And I need that extra layer of count of accountability. What are some of the questions that you would ask them first to determine what is like the most important habits that they need to start changing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Where do we start? And I think what I've learned is it's not really, it's not about me. Um, I have, I have a default plan. I have, you know, sort of an order of operations I like to take people through, but that doesn't necessarily mean they want to do it. So there's a reason they came. Folks are kind of pre-qualified. In a sense, they've said, uh, you know, they've identified a need. I need extra support. So what I want to know, um, if nothing else, what, what is that? Like what caused them to reach out? Where can we support them? And a question I'll ask um, just about everybody is, let's just say this goes super well, as well as it possibly could, right? Fast forward six months. What's different in your life? What has changed? And you know, some people have a really clear answer for this. And, and honestly, a lot of people don't. I think it's tough. It's a tough question to answer. Um, we often feel like, oh, if I could just, you know, insert a statement about income or body composition, relationships, whatever it is, if I could just, you know, everything would sort itself out. But there's no, um, there's no magic thing that once you hit that mark, you suddenly have this completely different system of motivation and behavior um, we need something that, that can be sustained and that is ultimately still workable. And here's, here's, I think really the, the major, uh, piece of this, even when your motivation is low, yeah, because, um, if most people come in, their motivation is sky high, but that's not forever. And we can't just build a program around that. My life would be so much easier. Well, I probably, I wouldn't exist. My, this, this job wouldn't exist if that were the case. So what we want to do is, is create this sort of, um, you know, bomb-proof version of behavior that even on the worst day, even when you um, wake up and you're underslept and your neighbors were making a lot of noise and the air conditioner broke and just like everything is wrong in the world, you can still get up and execute um, your your base habits. Yeah, no doubt. That's and that's something that that I say a lot to my clients. It's like you can't rely on sheer discipline or you know sheer motivation. You have to have a system of success that 
increases the likelihood that you're going to do it no matter what else is going on in your life. So kind of right around that, what are things that people can do to make sure that when they leave their current peak level of motivation, when they come to you, that in four or five, six weeks down the road, when they're not as motivated, what are things that they can have already done and set in place to where they don't have to rely on sheer motivation? Yeah. Uh, so we need to deconstruct this stuff, right? So, uh, you know, one of the things we'll tell people is working out is hard is by default. It has to be uncomfortable. We have to stress your physiology. Now, that does not mean it's a suffer fest. <laughs> it can be. It doesn't have, it really doesn't have to be, yeah. but we'll be uncomfortable, right? Um, so because this stuff is tough, we want to make everything else as easy as possible. And, you know, if just as an example, let's say you wanted to work out more at home and you had a, you had a kettlebell, you wanted to swing around, but the kettlebell is like downstairs under a pile of laundry, right? Um, it's not hard. It's not a big deal, really. If you look at it objectively, okay, well, after, you know, um, after I have my morning coffee, I want to play around with this. But if your habit is I have my morning coffee, then I check my phone um, and, and may get kind of uh, pulled into any kind of uh, emergency fake or real, um, right? Somebody could be wrong on the internet. Uh, we, we obviously have to attend to that immediately. Um, and then you kind of realize, ah, you know, the kettlebell, I'll, I'm going to go downstairs in a minute. Like there, there are all kinds of like tiny little frictions that can exist. However, if the kettlebell is just sitting there ready um, for wherever you take, you know, if you have your coffee on the, on the lanai, for example, you know, great. And the kettlebell is waiting there for you. Um, fantastic. You're ready to roll. So that doesn't mean you have to do a lot. There's still the work to come, but we've gotten rid of all the friction around at least starting. Yeah. And, you know, we always qualify. Is this something you really want to do? And, and it's a question we continue to ask and kind of tease out and figure this stuff out. Because if we know it's something you really want to do, it's not a question anymore. The only question we really have to ask is, well, there are two. One is, um, have we got a version that's tiny now, enough uh, to fit into the space, right? Um, that is reliable. And this is, this is where we'll, um, you know, lean into tiny habits. And then the third piece is, will you remember to do it? Mm -hmm. um, we've solved for motivation. We've solved for ability, right? And so, and BJ Fogg says, um, behavior happens when three things come together at the same time, motivation, ability, and prompt. So we know we've clarified, like, this is something that's important to me, like lifelong health. We might have to dig in. We might have to go levels deeper than, yeah, it would be nice to have, you know, visible abs or rock a speed or whatever it is. But what's real, like to me, what's really important is that I can keep pace with my son. Um, I can stay physically active with him, give him a hard time. He's into his teens. Um, you know, I want to be, and like I talked about kind of the deeper why for me and why am I even in this industry, in this career, moving is impactful for my mental well-being. So um, I've got a deep why. Um, so now, do I have a version that I can execute in the moment, even on one of these sort of busy or stressful days? And then finally, if I've got those two, will I remember to do it? And that's where we can kind of arrange prompts and create these um, sequences of behavior. Like after I have a coffee, you know, after I put down my mug, I will pick up my kettlebell. Um, and sometimes that's enough. The rest kind of flows naturally. So we don't have to create these overly elaborate 90 minute 
workout plans that we won't always be able to do. You can always pick it up. And if you're busy, put it back down, but you are um, nurturing that habit every single day. We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10-week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything, I really wanted to achieve. It was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. I like how you, you know, broke down the the three different pillars, if you will, like the motivation, ability, and prompt when all of those can, can come together. I kind of want to break down a little bit of those three, but before kind of diving into the, the first one, which is ability that I want to dive into, I want to ask, do you think that there is a one that is most lacking in people? Because I feel like like in the, I feel like all of them strike at different times because I feel like people are, like you said, they start motivated. And so they don't need necessarily the ability and prompt as much because the, the motivation can take over and, and be the biggest, be the biggest driver for them actually do following through and, and, and doing what they know they should do. And then motivation starts to go low and because they haven't done anything about ability and prompt, then they stop doing that particular habit. Do you feel like there's one that lacks the most in people? You know, that's a really interesting question. I haven't thought about it in, in that way. Um, I, I never assume that motivation is missing in people, certainly when they come to me. Uh, and, and I think we have sort of an inherent mistrust 
Uh, and I think that this is actually one of our big problems culturally is that we do not trust in the implicit motivation of other people. Um, and I've heard, I've heard this expressed in all kinds of ways from fitness to, you know, social welfare. Oh, you know, people will grow lazy and indolent off of, you know, having enough money for food. Um, it's just not a thing. People are motivated. People are surprisingly motivated um, often to do great things. I think it's really our job if we want to see um, the most in people, if we want to see a better world, to ask the question of, well, what frictions can we take away? Um, and often there are things, um, it's instead of trying to whip people up into a frenzy and, and, and kind of live your life at 10 out of 10 motivation, that's not, uh, you know, that's a manic episode prolonged, right? It's not really a realistic objective. We've all done this. We've all made this mistake, right? Where we say, okay, I'm going to design, you know, they say you should never go grocery shopping hungry, right? And you should never design your life or your calendar when your motivation is at a peak, because, you know, we've all, we've all done this. We've crammed our days full of stuff. And, you know, by 1030 in the morning, you're, you're already underwater. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it's destabilizing. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel great. But, you know, I, I like to remind people, we have the ability to design these constraints. We can set where the goalposts are. And again, Tiny Habits is about moving the goalposts closer to you. And for everybody that would say, well, that seems too easy. That's weak. You just have more discipline. We'll have more fire in your belly. It's like, well, hold on, hold on. The discipline here is what can you execute at, like what can you execute at a very high level day in day out without fail even at your worst okay that's how you build excellence right not by doing three out of ten and kind of limping your way through things executing on a high level and that builds your capacity to do more and when we really think about um creating behavior change, we, you, we can kind of look, look back at our lives and we say, well, where are these friction points? Are there stresses that exist in your life that just don't need to be there? Those could be relationships. Those could be work things. You could be on the board of something um, where, where the process is driving you nuts. The first question I would ask is what can you take away um, and replace with something of higher value? Say the same thing about nutrition. Um, people, people are immediately afraid. It's like, well, I love, I don't know. I love donuts. I don't want to stop eating. Nobody said that. If those are a 10 out of 10 for you, if those are a great pleasure, those are the last thing that should come out of your diet. What we want to ask is what's like a, a five out of 10 for enjoyment and, and still isn't good for you. Um, right. So if, you know, I think of like food court food or really the kind of, you know, hyper process, like here's an air, airport sandwich kind of thing. Um, if you don't eat that stuff, you will not lose out on quality of life. All you'll be is, is, is leaner and healthier. So um, rather than start with, with the most pleasurable, just ask, like, what's just taking up space in your life? Um, but I want to I see if I, I, I've answered this. So motivation, I think people have plenty of. What we need is a, a version of behavior that is fluid enough to match motivation at any given time. So that's the skill to be developed, right? Say that, um, so say that again, say that again. We, all of us have, if you know what's important to you in your life, you have a ton of motivation for it. You know, you, you might be in a, in a period where um, you're feeling more fatigued or stressed, but it's still there. And if we could take away a lot of those frictions for you and a lot of those stresses, I think you would, would, you would find uh, yourself, anyone you know really would, would really be, be willing to push uh, to a surprising amount. So we know the motivation's there. The question is, um, do you have a version of behavior, a version of action for every, every level of motivation, 
right? So we know mm. what you, everybody's got the version of exercise or nutrition, whatever, or work when they're highly motivated. But do you have a version of this? Do you have a version of success for your nutrition, for your health, for your professional life, for your relationships that works when your motivation is low, when you're bummed out? And that's the skill. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, so, so in, in the tiny habits, method, there, there are, there are three things. We've got an ABC formulation. We have an anchor and that is, well, what reminds you to do the behavior? We have the behavior itself. That's the B and C is celebration. And that's what I think people are missing in their lives. And so I'm going to say this, um, because if you're anything like me, you already had sort of a knee jerk reaction. If you're listening to this to celebration, um, I don't like to, you know, the, the, the purpose here in, in integrating celebration with habits is emotion creates memory, positive and negative, but we'd like to stick with positive emotion. Thanks very much. So um, when you have positive emotion, you're more likely to remember to do the thing. It becomes stickier. The problem is for me, I, I didn't want to dance or sing or pump my fist or jump up in the air. So I struggled with that for a little while, but then I realized, you know, one of the things um, we can do is um, one is you can look for your natural celebrations. When, when something wonderful happens, you think about the last great surprise you had and what your reaction was. Did you say yes? Did you, did you pump your fist? Whatever it was, that, that will probably work. You can simply smile and you don't even really have to feel it. This is, this is um, kind of syncing up these two processes. But the other thing you can do, if you're really clear on what's important to you in your life, you can say, hey, I just took a step closer to doing that. I just made a vote for the direction that I want to live my life in. And I think that's, that's really powerful. So that's, so I think celebration and giving ourselves props for our little wins, for the small um, actions that, that we take that are in alignment with our values. That's what I think is missing for most of us. I think it would really improve the quality of life. It certainly has for me. Um, these aren't participation trophies. Um, right. If that's, if that's a bugaboo, it's, this is stuff that you've earned. They're small wins, but they're wins. And the more aware of, uh, of those we are, it's not just, you know, patting yourself on the back and saying, Hey, you know, great job. It's, it's really, um, developing this sort of eagle eye for opportunities for, for growth and movement in your own life. And so we have to be sensitive to what those look like. We have to have a really good sort of felt sense. Um, where do I excel? Where do I win? Uh, where do I move forward? And when you, when you can identify these and start to see the patterns, you'll find other opportunities, uh, to move things forward. Yeah. That's great. I definitely think I like that ABC, the anchor behavior and celebration. And I do think celebration is something that a lot of people are missing. And like you said, it's, you can like find your own version, version of celebration. It doesn't mean that you have to, celebration doesn't mean go eat a piece of cake because you worked out. Celebration could be as easy as checking off a box or like you said, giving your, yourself a, a verbal, like, hell yeah, like I did that kind of a thing. Um, so, you know, I, we, 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 you broke down the motivation, ability and prompt earlier. I kind of want to go to the ability part of it really quickly. And to me, that's kind of like, you know, the ability part of it is so much about the the word tiny, right? It's small enough to where you have the ability to do to do it. And, and tiny is different for every single person. Like if you're somebody, if you're somebody who already works out, you know, an hour for an hour, five times a week, tiny is different for you than it is to somebody who works out, you know, 30 minutes a couple times a week. So how do you come up with what tiny looks like for each individual? Yeah. So what is tiny? Uh, all the time, 
people will say, well, you know, as an example, a common aspiration that will come up is someone will say, you know, I want to meditate more. Okay. Well, you know, like how much is more like 60 minutes a day. Okay. Well, cool. Cool. Okay. How much are you meditating? You know, how much are you meditating now? Zero. Okay. So maybe we need something smaller, like 30 minutes, 20, 10, generally, you know, tiny habits, uh, as a, as a heuristic, take about 30 seconds to do. And it's not to say we're watching the clock, but if, you know, if you're going to do push-ups, for example, um, maybe a couple of push-ups, yeah. um, and then you celebrate. Now you can always do more. Nobody said you can't do more, but we, we, we keep the bar super low. So you always have this entry point that you can be successful with. Um, so it's, it's not going to take much time. It generally fits into whatever, you know, if you design a habit, well, it fits into the environment that you're in. And um, the other part about this is there's never any emotional friction. So if you have ever said, um, you know, I set out this habit for myself, or I said, oh, I was going to read more. And then you remember you're going to read, but you say, ah, I just need to, right. And you could fill in almost anything. Like I'll do it after dinner. I'll do it after I walk the dog. I'll do it a little later when I'm feeling more alert. Um, that means any kind of friction or procrastination means it's just not tiny enough. So make it tinier. Maybe all it is, is, is reading a paragraph. Maybe it's reading a sentence. Maybe it is literally opening the book. That would be called a starter step habit. Where you, you just put yourself in the position. Um, and this, te- it, this tends to work really well when you already really want to do the thing. Uh, and generally the process is pretty contiguous. It's unchanged meditation. I'd say, sit down on a cushion. If you feel like hanging out there and meditating, so be it, but you're already there. We've overcome a lot of the initial friction and we find whether, you know, we're talking about workouts, whether we're talking about meditation, any kind of health behavior, you know, once people have started the hard parts over and generally there's a, there's a really good bit of momentum because again, the motivation is there. And as long as we have a version of behavior again, that matches that we're going to be golden. Yeah. No, I like that. If there's any kind of, like you said, emotional friction, if there's any kind of that, then you know, it's too big. So, you know, for all the, you guys out there trying to create some sort of habits, any kind of, anytime you will start seeking out excuses or seeking out just almost like distractions or other things you could be doing, then it, it could be a sign that, that uh, is not tiny enough. You know, one of the things I, 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 started with is how both of us have the long-term game in mind and and try to ourselves have a long-term mindset and try to coach others to have a long-term mindset as well. What are you what are things that you feel that individuals can do to adopt that long-term mindset a little bit better? Yeah. You know, so often I feel like there's this idea that I'm going to get super fit and then I'm going to get frozen in carbonite. Like my, it'll, it'll be the, it'll just be held for the rest of my life. And, you know, fitness is an ongoing process, like so many things, right? So um, it really doesn't matter how intense it is. It doesn't matter necessarily what level you reached. Sometimes there's some bragging rights there. You have some nice photos and that's great. But the question is, what can you do consistently? So uh, again, I look for, First order of business is, um, you know, it's just like the the Hippocratic Oath: do no harm to yourself. So don't don't break anything, don't ruin your joints. Go in there. Don't give yourself, you know, disordered eating uh, behaviors uh, because you're trying to get lean. So the first job is just to, you know, keep yourself safe and 
and viable so you can continue to learn and, and play around. Next question is really asking the, the, the question of what is enjoyable? Like, what do you like doing? What can you see yourself doing on an ongoing basis? So it doesn't have to be the world's most optimized exercise. If it keeps you active, you know, um, if you love podcasts and you enjoy walking and you do them at the same time and you're doing that for 90 minutes a day, you know what? You are going to put yourself um, yeah. in relatively rare air. You would be surprised how impactful that can be, um, you know, in an otherwise sedentary life. It's huge. And that is, that is far more effective. And that would be my advice for far more people than go in and do like, um, you know, four, you know, gut busting 90 minute workouts a week. I, I would, I, I think more people would benefit from the former. And then if you've got that, right, you've got, now we've built some capacity. You have the option. If you want to do more, you can always do more, but you've sort of built a physiological platform that for that you have enough sort of aerobic fitness, you have enough sort of, um, you know, tissue capacity, yeah. you're safe for doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Um, I want to get, get you out of here on time. So down the last couple of questions here, you know, we've talked, we talked about in the beginning, or you talked about in the beginning, how it's all about having things set up in a way to where you don't have to rely on high levels of motivation to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you talked about how the idea is to have a version of the action for each level of motivation, right? Like on the days that you're really motivated, sure. Work out for an hour. Sure. Work out for an hour and a half if you're really feeling it. But like the days that you're not feeling it, go on a 20 minute walk. Like it doesn't have to be the optimized version of the habit every single time. Don't, don't even, I wouldn't even say 20 minutes, go out the door, put your shoes on, walk out the door. And then, you know what, if you feel like walking, go, you'll probably enjoy it. And if you, if you can't, if you don't, if you have to rush somewhere, you are, you know, BJ would say we're nurturing the roots of that habit every single day. So it's never a question of, um, you know, if you do stuff intermittently, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's like, ah, you know, is today my day? It was a long weekend. You, you have to figure all this stuff out. This exists in your life every day. It becomes easier to remember. And again, it becomes something that you consistently execute and are, are successful at. And then on the days you feel like doing more and you have more space to do it, you, you do so. For you personally, if what are like three things that you do that allow you to still execute on important things? when you have low levels of motivation? So there's the basic self-care stuff. I sleep enough. I get, you know, I get my eight hours. Um, you know, I exercise, I do some kind of movement daily. Um, I probably, you know, I generally will do some kind of more intense strength training three days a week, but uh, every day uh, where I can, I'm, I'm moving around. Um, and beyond that, it is the skill of knowing um, how to get started, how, how to just dip my toes in the water of, of anything. Uh, you know, uh, I'm working right now, uh, particularly on a reading habit where, um, I want to, you know, so, so I, I executed this in the morning I say, okay. Um, after I notice that I want to check my phone, I will open a book and read at least one paragraph. So generally, uh, in the morning, I'll, I'll read somewhere between five and 10 pages. Right. And in the evening, I, I do this as, as one of the last things and I'll read something lighter, um, you know, again, because I was finding that I usually read nonfiction, but uh, I felt that my brain was kind of done. So I've, I've taken to some fiction and, and I'll, I'll um, always clock 10 pages on that. And, and you know what? 
10 in the morning, 10 at night. Um, the, the afternoons are coming, but as uh, that's where we get to six to 900 pages, you know, a month where, where it's kind of like, um, okay, we're, we're, we're really, we're, we're going through at least a couple of books, if not, uh, three or four. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like, uh, good luck on continuing, on continuing that habit and continue growing it as you, as you want to. Well, uh, before I ask the last question here, Jeff, I just want to acknowledge you for doing this work, because as you said, there's so many people out there that know what to do. They're just not doing it. They're not, they're not following through. They're not executing because at the end of the day, most people kind of know what they should be eating for the most part. They kind of know that they should be exercising or an idea of what they should be doing. Um, this, they need these tiny habits and they need the education and the, and the coach and, and the accountability and the frameworks to allow them to execute at a high level, even when they're not having high levels of motivation. And I know you're doing that for so many. So I want to acknowledge you for putting in that work for people. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, man. Um, well, I want to make sure other people are going to want to go learn more about you and everything that you're up to as well. So where can people go to go learn more about you and support you and, and follow you and all that kind of stuff? Okay. Uh, so for training here in Toronto, if you, uh, if you want some, some distance coaching, otherwise, uh, bangpersonaltraining.com. Uh, if you are a parent, you want to check out our upcoming podcast, dadstrength.com. And, uh, you know, I am, this is a project where I originally just wanted to be, um, a less terrible dad, really just kind of learn, you know, avoid making the major mistakes and, uh, where it's been an opportunity to learn, uh, from people with all kinds of mindsets and expertise and kind of take it back home into, into taking good care of yourself and your family, um, you know, doing work, with, with meaning and asking the question of, you know, what kind of real change is, uh, is available to us over 40, which is, you know, uh, a surprising amount is the answer. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, last question here, Jeff, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we're ever at that best version of ourself. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best version of Jeff Gervitz that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? You know, I mentioned um, Precision Nutrition. Uh, Phil Caravaggio, who's uh, one of the co-founders, has been a, um, a, a tremendous uh, a friend and, and mentor to me. And he, he really pushed me to explore the idea of unique abilities. And, um, and that's asking the question of, um, where do we see this overlap between stuff that you're not just good at it, but you enjoy doing, you are energized by it. Okay. And this is, I think your, your greatest potential for work of real impact. Um, and so I, I think it's not, it's not an easy question. Um, and as much work as I've done on it, I'm continuing to learn about it. So really dialing into that, what is that? like and how can you create more room for that in your life um often one of the um kind of side quests that gets you pulled off is when when you uh have stuff that you're really good at but don't necessarily enjoy um you're not energized by um often that will will form a big chunk of people's careers so it's just something to be aware of and so trying to move into that into that sort of um rare Venn diagram overlap of, of that real sort of joy and energy from doing it and, and something you're great at. That's really important for me. So continue to ask what's, what's, um, 
you know, at the heart of all this, I think sometimes I feel like I have great clarity on, on how to move forward. And I want to just continue, you know, using what I know to, to develop my skills to do that. And sometimes I have no idea what I should be doing, or I don't have the energy. I'm not sure what the match is. And in those moments, you know, um, I, I revert to, to taking care of myself, um, doing, doing the basics. So, so again, continuing to learn, continuing to exercise, to eat well. So at the very least, I'm going to be in a better condition to pick up the challenge, uh, the next day was the third thing I I think is just, um, being aware. So I'm, I'm not sure how to put this. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great question. Um, for, for me, it's something around, uh, emotions. So this relates to my own sort of mental well-being. It relates to, to me being with my family. Um, but you know, uh, there, there are things that happen that are upsetting, that are infuriating, that, that are good old fashioned annoying, right? You know, if you're a parent, you will be annoyed. I, I assure you. Um, and the thing is, I just want to be able to recognize these emotions um, so that, and, and have tools for managing them. So it's not about, you know, stuffing stuff down. It's about being open to it. And I think that's, um, I did, I was, I was doing a, a, a panel earlier today with, uh, with Linda Fogg. Um, who's one of the, uh, who, who, who does a coaching certification, uh, uh, for tiny habits. And, you know, we were talking about resilience and I think just knowing what you're experiencing, asking what, like, what, what set me off about this? Being curious about that. Um, asking the question of like, what am I feeling right now? These things are just fundamental tools for being able to respond to life, uh, adaptively and to rather than, you know, 35 minutes into, um, you know, being, being frustrated with something, kind of recovering yourself, being able to recognize and get back to baseline and who you are, um, you know, uh, your best self a lot faster. So, um, you know, we can call it emotion regulation or just kind of awareness um, of how, of, of your, your emotional state. I I think that's, that's really important, fundamental to a lot of other um, important behaviors. Yeah. Well, I love it. I, and I appreciate you for really diving deep within yourself and coming up with some, with some awesome answers, because, you know, it's, it's easy to rattle off just a couple of, a uh, couple word answers for each of those three, but you really dug deep and it's obvious that you have um, been thinking of these things. Uh, uh, not just now you've, you've thought of them in the past as well, but um, Jeff, awesome stuff today. I know there's a lot of practical things that people can, can start to take action on uh, regarding any habit they're trying to form and especially their health and fitness habits. So really appreciate your time today. That's all we got. Thank you, Nick. I hope you all enjoyed this super practical episode with Jeff. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member, especially if you think they would like some help in forming habits to improve their overall health and fitness. This could be the episode that gets them started in the right direction. All you gotta do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app and let me know what your favorite takeaway from Jeff was. And be sure you're following me and Jeff on Instagram at carrier underscore best you, at bang personal training, and at Jeff Gervitz. Now remember that when it comes to behavior change, you need three things, motivation, ability, and a prompt. You need to want to do something, like you need to know the benefits that it's going to provide you. You need to make sure that the habit is tiny enough that you actually have the ability to do it. And you need a reminder that prompts you to do the said habit. Also remember, something I often like to say is that you're not following through because you lack discipline. You're not following through because you lack a system of success. Again, it's not that you're not, 
you don't have discipline and that's the reason that you're not following through. It's the fact that you don't have a system of success. That's the reason that you're following short. You need to make sure that you have anchors, that you're making habits that are tiny enough, that are small enough, and that you're celebrating when you actually execute them and that you're keeping track of progress. I know there's something that you could be doing in your life right now that you know you should be doing, but you're not doing it, right? Like I think we all have things in our life that are like that. Like we know we should be doing something, but we're not doing it. That could be in our career, that could be in our financial situation, that could be in our personal lives, that could be in our relationships. There's things we know we should be doing, but we're not doing them. So ask yourself, what is that thing? What's one of those things? And how can I start to create a tiny habit around it? Because forming tiny habits in these areas of of our lives that are meaningful will undoubtedly help you get closer and closer to your best.